Rise guys and rise gals, I got you a present. I know, I know, the holidays were last month, but I, I, I don't care. It's not too much. It's not, it's not anything too expensive, I promise. It's an episode of a podcast. It's very similar to the podcast that we always do. It's the podcast. The gift to you is the podcast. Happy holidays, rise guys and gals. It's for me too. Don't you get in on this? <laughs> you always horn in on my stuff. I do love horning in on someone's gift. <laughs> I'll be like, hey, 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 throw my name on that card. Throw my name. On- <laughs> yeah. I'll Venmo you. I'll pitch in. I don't care. <laughs> hey, hey, how much to get my name on that card? <laughs> for you, John. That's me at every birthday. <laughs> hey. Let me get my name on that card. I had a uh, a brunch. Uh, the, this is brunch talk in a second. Welcome to Mad About Mad About You, your weekly Mad About You recap podcast. I'm Russ Fader. And I'm John Marbley. Good to have you back, Rise Guys and Rise Gals. If this is the first time that you're amongst us, welcome. We're happy to have you. Hello. Hi. <laughs> I had brunch with some friends from home last weekend, and somebody had it at their at their apartment. And What? It was, what, somebody? Yeah, somebody hosted a uh, brunch. I hate that. <laughs> I really hate that. They do that in Los Angeles. It makes me crazy. <laughs> so now we're having Why? a dinner party, not at dinner time? Yeah. Ugh. Go out. And... <laughs> anyway, what happened? When I was a kid and there would be like, oh, we're having a party at school. And it would be like, everybody has to bring in something yeah, for the party. Right, right. It was always like, somebody was always like, I'll bring soda. You know, I'll bring, <laughs> I don't have to cook. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. And I'd be like, I'll be forks and knives. Right. Somebody else Napkins, has plates. plates, Boom. cups. Yeah. Great, perfect. So my friend hosted a brunch, and I was just like, what can I bring? And she's just like, half a dozen bagels and cream cheese, which is the grown-up like version, which is the, the grown-up version of... I guess it is. Bring, bring soda. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. And especially because my other friend was like, I think I'll make a homemade French toast casserole. Oh. That does sound good. Yeah, she's like, does that sound good? And other people are like, yes, absolutely. What are you kidding me? And I'm like, yeah, I should I should bring something too. What can I bring? No, you let them hash it out. Bagels and cream cheese. Let them hash it out, Russ. <laughs> Anytime something like that gets set up, you sit back and you watch the things fly. Watch it. And then you pick up the scraps. Because the people that love cooking <laughs> will cook. <laughs> They don't begrudge so you. Got, they say, oh, got, great. I'm going to make everything. I think that's true. It's ego oh, now. Well, no, that's we're not true because I was. Well, look, the person who brought the French toast is actually like the, the baby bear or she's like the middle scenario because I also. <laughs> the middle you know, scenario. <laughs> yeah. Remember? Remember the story of. Oh, of Goldilocks. <laughs> of Goldilocks, oh, the middle yeah. scenario. The scenarios. Yeah, yeah, she goes into the middle of the forest and yeah. runs into those scenarios. So, because my so the one friend made French toast, a French toast casserole. Other friend is married to a chef, and so oh. he was just like, "I made a a veggie hash." Ew. Yeah. Well, it was yeah. very good. It, like, oh, okay. It, like a, and uh, and also like fresh 
fresh fruit, like a fresh fruit salad thing with uh, oh, God stuff that you've never that. heard of. All he did was cut um, <laughs> God did. God did make that. But I'm like, I've never had a star fruit. But if you're going to put it in front of me, I'm not going to turn down star fruit. No, no, no. You got to eat what? star fruit. Star fruit's pretty good, John. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like kiwi, right? Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? What do you Someone eat? Someone looked at that fruit and said, that, now that fruit's a star. That fruit. <laughs> you're a star, baby. Yeah, I think that fruit. I think that fruit was discovered in a drugstore in Hollywood. <laughs> What'd you ask me? I ate out at restaurants this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> like a grown-up. Yeah. <laughs> I marched for the women, and then I ate for me. Great. How was the march, bud? Boring. Not boring. I'm not a big marcher, but I do it for the numbers and the support, you know? I don't connect sure. with the slogans. Slogans are tough. Slogans, catchphrases, you know, it's all a little complicated to fit on a sign. Uh, right. You know what I mean? But what did your, it's do you important mind if I to ask, show up. Did you have a sign? No. I had a okay. cup of coffee. <laughs> Great. We all did. My whole little crew. We all had, we, we all had no coffee. No one had signs. Everyone had coffee. <laughs> that would have been a great sign. Yeah. <laughs> if you just had a sign that just said, we just have coffee. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how well that would have been. Uh... You know how on this podcast I tend to air my uh, unfiltered opinions. Sure. Yeah. Well, you know, there's a there's an etiquette. There's a decorum to these marches. That That is true. You know, yes. save the cynicism for uh, afterwards. Very true. You got to. You but got it was to nice. save the you know, cynicism good to show for up. afterwards. It's always good to show up. Yeah, absolutely. For the helicopter photos. That's why we <laughs> right. go. Yeah. When you take the, the photo, it looks crowded. Come on, man. You look up at those helicopters and you wave. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to get on TV. Oh, you could have had a sign that said, hi, mom. <laughs> Courage, mom. Remember that from uh, Wag the Dog? I don't. Oh. I saw it once, but it's a... Uh... Oh, you'd love it. I know, I know, I did. So, Mad About You this week. This is episode 44 of Mad About Mad About You. Can you believe it? We're getting to 50. We're getting there. We're getting there. Our reviews are climbing up the charts. No, they're not. Are they? Nope. That's Nope. They're nope, dead. They're not. Not they're one, dead. Not one dead new review sent. since we started this you, campaign. This campaign, you know, it's lying in wait. Everybody's just, they're, they're, they're suck. They're, it's going to be the turnaround of the century. I, I don't know, Russ. I, I don't have uh, as much faith as you. Now, we have heard some complaints that it's hard to leave a review. It is hard to leave a review. And then people give up. And quite frankly, I don't blame them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I was about to say, like, yes, it is difficult. Leave a review from a desktop. But really, what I should be saying is just, like, uh, we tried. Uh, th thanks anyway. <laughs> oh, the desktop's easier, right? I think so, yes. Hey, everyone, when you're uh, settling down this Friday night to uh, write your little review for the podcast, do it from your desktop. Do it from your desktop. Do it from your desktop. Sneak away at work. Pull out, download iTunes. Oh, to actually, work that's the perfect time to do it. It really I is. I review podcasts at work sometimes. <laughs> I really do. I Yeah, absolutely. I'll review anything at work. <laughs> podcasts, John, hotels. Yeah, go ahead. Do you have your phone available? Yeah. Did you just get the update that I just got? Uh, you and I just got some some live news, which is not breaking necessarily. No, not at all. This, this came out yesterday. Yes, it did. Yeah, we got a we Murphy got Brown, baby. From, we got an update from the roving reporter of Midtown. Yeah, the roving, roving runner of Midtown must have run by a variety <laughs> office and picked up the scoop that Murphy Brown is coming back for thirteen episodes. <laughs> we're getting live and, uh, updates from him. Yeah, <laughs> he says all signs are pointing to a mad about you redux. 
Because you can't have Murphy Brown without Mad You can't have you. one without the other. Yeah. As the theme to Married with Children told us, you can't have one without the other. <laughs> so, coming up on episode News 50 of Mad About Mad About You. News and marriage. <laughs> We're going to talk about season 2, episode 22 of Mad About You, called Storms We Cannot Weather. Is that a reference, Russ? Tell me. It sounds like a song lyric, maybe. You know, it does. It's very poetic for a, a name of an episode. It is, and it, I don't think it's directly related to anything Fascinating. that happens in the episode. But no, I, I uh, if it's from something, I don't know what it's from. It's from the hit song Storms We Can Weather. <laughs> oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize. This uh, episode came out on May 5th, 1994. Mm. Oh, Cinco what de Mayo. Team? Yeah, absolutely. That, um, it can't be an accident that this episode came out on Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> The uh, TV Guide description has a spoiler. Oh, do we want to talk about it? Well, uh, I mean, it's the time. It's the time to do it. Uh, it if this shows about anything, it's about putting people in the pants of uh, those who came before. We want to put people in pants. <laughs> We're passionate about it. Franz, us and bonobos. <laughs> Franz's estranged husband interrupts her blind date. <sighs> I know. That's all. That's let's let's just say that. Let's not say any more right now. I think people know what that means. I'm sure. Well, I don't know. It's you know what? It's been so long since we've seen or since he's come up that maybe everybody's forgotten and their their minds will be blown. Yeah, everyone right now is thinking it's Selby. Yeah, <laughs> it's a sort of a weird descriptor because it really pinpoints one scene. Mm-hmm. Because I guess it's the most efficient way to describe the hook of the episode. Yeah. Why not just say Franz's strange husband comes back or shows up? Her friend read the uh, read read TV guide again. Fran's estranged husband interrupts her blind date. Yeah, that makes he, it sound. He does more than that. He yeah. does more than that. And that makes it sound like there's a whole brouhaha or something between him and the yeah. blind. You know, it's that's not what it's yeah. about. But I see why you had to say that's what it was about. This is almost like a TV parent trying to explain a plot to its children. What? It's a simplified inaccurate version <laughs> that gets across the idea but isn't actually true you know what i mean yes okay i'm like john i'll yes and a lot of stuff that you say <laughs> that i was just like i you have lost me <laughs> it makes sense but now you found me and yeah i'm with it yeah it sounds uh what do you think of this episode we'll get there eventually what did i think of this episode yeah this is one of my favorites by okay. far through the roof i remember this episode do you? As a kid, I, I remember, remember parts of it. We talked about this episode during the Thanksgiving episode when they're on the train. Yes. Because I Mark you... is staring out the window talking yes. about how he wants to ride the rails like Jack Kerouac. Yeah. And we find out he did. I remember I remember Literally. you saying Yeah, I remember you saying that he I'd forgotten that he does that. And you were just like, and then uh, that leads to Mark eventually going out and uh sowing some wild oats. And I was like, he does? Yeah, yeah. And they're so funny. Yeah. We'll get there. We'll get there. Okay. Well, what 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 else was on TV that week? You're watching NBC. Say I don't want to watch Mad About You. <laughs> Say I've had it. Well, if you don't want to watch Mad About You, boy oh boy, do I have a show for you that was on a different night than Mad About You. So it doesn't exactly help. Is it The Last Living Confederate Widow? It was not, but I did see that that was also on. I that rang a bell. Yeah. But I don't I never watched it. Yeah. It was on ABC, it was on a different night, and it was called Thunder Alley. Ooh, that sounds like a cartoon. It does sound like a cartoon. It's not. 
it's a weird show that lasted two seasons, and it's not weird. It's as cookie cutter as it gets. Stars Ed Asner. What? As a retired, yep, as a retired race car driver. Ooh, oh, like Days of Thunder. Yeah, yes, exactly like Days of Thunder. And uh, Felicity Huffman played his daughter, but only in the pilot. Wow. Yeah. And then when it got picked up. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Are you looking at the cast? Uh-huh. Yeah. It got picked up and uh, the role was repla- was uh, recast uh, with Diane Venora. Who's that? Oh, gosh. What did I read that she was in? Uh, I don't care. If you don't know off the top of your head. No, she was in one. She was in a big thing. You said it like we're all going to be like, oh, Diane Venora. I did say it that Whoa, way. Hold no, the phone. That's just- it just let me process the name that. Of the actress. Yeah. Do you have it up right now? Yeah, you, she's you in everything. Click, I just don't know. Click her. the hyperlink. Yeah. Click the hyperlink. Yeah, there's a hyperlink there, isn't there? What are you Siri? What are you, what are you talking like a computer? <laughs> Find out what she did. Parse the HTML in... for me and read the text in between the tags. <laughs> uh oh, I I saw them before. Now it's um oh she's Hamlet. She's in Hamlet. That was it. She was in. She was oh, in um, awful Romeo Hamlet. and Juliet. She was in the Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and She's Juliet. She played La- yeah. Lady Capulet. I did not it. know Lady Capulet's name was Gloria. It was in the movie. Yeah, Gloria. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and she was in the Hamlet. Uh, you know the modern one. Oh, with Ethan Hawke. Yes, Ethan Hawke's Hamlet. She played Gertrude. That's not a. That is not a good Hamlet. I skipped it. Yeah. Oh, I and saw she it, was I in the movie Shakespeare in film class, and we watched it. Ah, not my yeah. favorite. Yeah. She's in the movie FX, which cool. if you... Uh, it's very good. I've never seen it, but I saw the ad 800 million times. Thank you very much, sure. TV channel, TV guide channel. <laughs> ah, what about her? Oh, she's in the show. Yeah. <laughs> she's in the show. That's all. Also in the show is a very, very young Haley Joel Osment. Very young. Yeah, oh, not that young. Before The Sixth Sense. Oh, very young. This is probably before The Sixth Sense and after... Forrest Gump. He's in. He's the kid in Forrest Gump. Yeah, he's young Forrest. I didn't know that. Yeah. No. Oh. I only was able to watch a trailer. <laughs> I feel like you're really. I was only able to watch the first season. The first six <laughs> episodes. Very disappointing in the <laughs> amount of episodes available. I mean, look, it's the description's it's, weird. Yeah, it's it's very cookie cutter. It was. I, I laughed. I chuckled a little bit, but I could see where it's just. It's the same as any other show. Old guy has the family come and move in with them, and hilarity ensues. And a lot of kids. A lot of kids. Yeah, like three or four kids, I think. Yeah, they got nominated for Young Artist Awards. Yep, and didn't know that was an award. It Richard was Schiff. With, was he in this? He was in an episode. Toby. Cool. It was paired up with Home Improvement. <laughs> Whoa! In its first season. What a family night. Yeah, and so it did very well, and it got its second season, oh. and they bumped it up on a different night to the leadoff show on Wednesdays, and then it got canceled at the end oh, of the season. I would think I would have liked this show, maybe. I, it, 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 like it, the commercials seemed they seemed fine. Haley Joel Osment's a really good actor. No, are you telling good. me? Yeah, did he's you really see the good. Entourage movie? I did not see the Entourage movie because well, he's an adult now. <coughs> Bless you, he is so unbelievable in that movie. Oh yeah, he takes this not I, thankless part, but like sort of a archetypal, you know, part, and makes yeah. it so funny and specific. Ah, cool. He's been on a few episodes of Comedy Bang Bang, the TV show, and he's very funny in that. He's great. We love. He's a good. Hey, actor. we're big fans of Haley Joel Osment on this podcast. Big fans. H- I'm trying, oh my gosh, 
I I am sad to have missed him in American Buffalo on Broadway. Well, yeah, yeah, it ran uh, two days. Yeah, I missed those. <laughs> I missed those two days. Who else? Do you remember who else is in it? Oh, Dennis Front? No, he's in the movie. No, he's in the original. Sorry, I know. I know this. John Leguizamo? Yep. And, oh, Bernie Mac? Nope. The but you're other close, one? You're racist. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, they both had shows on. Cedric, Cedric the, the Entertainer. Entertainer. Yeah. They both had shows on at the same time that I didn't see. That's I why understand. I get them mixed up. They both? Yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So let me, I wasn't able to, like I said, I wasn't able to watch a lot, but I found a couple of variety reviews for the, I guess I think it was for the first episodes of both seasons. You know what? Both, if what? I didn't watch Seinfeld or Mad About You, I bet I'd get those shows mixed up too. We'll never know because you did watch them because you're a white person. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so both reviews for both seasons were written by a variety writer named Tony Scott. And I'm just going to read a little bit because it's pretty funny. <laughs> Season one, he writes, Ed Asner rumbles back onto the TV trail as a gruff grandpa with heart, but the material's pretty tame. He's a widower whose divorced daughter and three children move into his home and life. The tired concept wouldn't draw flies, but Asner's savvy may be able to pull the old chestnut out of the fire. This review's exhausting. It's a lot. Yeah. What else does he say here? Now I'm the one saying blah, 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 blah. See, it's hard. It's hard to cold read on the air. It is hard. Oh, uh, this was good. Thunder Alley's A Pleasantly Average Half Hour and director Barnett Kelman hey! handles some mild material well. You How about that, You didn't tell huh? me we were eating a Burger King tonight. I was, <laughs> I was a surprise just for you, bud. He only directed one episode. <laughs> I can't believe that's what the one the critic's talking about. There you go. Oh, what it boils boy. To, yeah. You know you're What it boils hands. down to is a sitcom with Hart and Asner. Maybe it's enough. Then the then the second season they say, back for a start of a first full season. Ed Asner and Thunder Alley continue their mildly amusing goings on. The cutes will annoy some, but Asner and the cast make endearing themselves look easy. Are they reviewing this show because they just review every show? I think so. Because when you read the review, you're on. like, why are you even reviewing it? Yeah, yeah. No, that I mean, look, everything everything has to get a review. They got paid. This was a job. That's their job. You're right. Their variety. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Jim Beaver returns as Gil's sidekick. Riker is particularly fine as the concerned mother. She's the third actress in the role, taking over from Diane Venora, who replaced Felicity Huffman before the show hit the air. Wow. Three women playing the same character in two seasons? You want to talk about a kiss of death. Ay, ay, (laughs) ay. Oh, man. So, yeah, so that's what was on. Thunder Alley was on. It's pretty unremarkable. I could definitely see it doing well paired with Home Improvement. Yeah. If you yeah. want to ch- if you want to check out a, uh, a trailer with the a very, very young Haley Joel Osment being pretty cute. It sounds like maybe the single guy of family entertainment. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. As much as it I believe pains it. me to say that after those horrible <laughs> reviews. <laughs> well, well, look, we're... In a couple of years, we're going to get to review the single guy, and I will read those reviews, and they will not be kind. And they will not be accurate. <laughs> what was in the news, bud? From WNBC-TV, this is News for New York with Chuck Scarborough and Pat Harper. Dateline. 
Go ahead. FYI. Remember FYI, everyone? I do. It was a news show from Murphy Brown. Oh, my gosh. You're right. What synchronicity? (laughs) Hey, maybe they'll bring back the column. You know what's weird? That was FYE, right? No, FYI. No, that was F- that was FYI. I learned what FYI meant when my friend had pencils for Murphy Brown that said FYI for your entertainment when I was in elementary school. For your information? That, yeah. That friend who had those pencils also made French toast casserole this past weekend. <laughs> wow. How about that? This is quite a journey. Oh, what a good friend. Yeah. They made Murphy yeah. oh, Brown yeah, pencils back then? Yeah. She's a, she's a great friend. Oh, the things that she's done. She's had pencils. She's made <laughs> French Did toast. Did they make other what TV pencils? Do? Probably. I would like you to find out if you can. I will absolutely. I will find. I'll get you the history of TV pencils. Anyway. Also, let's not forget Barnett Kelman, big Murphy Brown director. Uh, very true. FYI, this is very New York question. Bird's eye view of rats. A friend oh, told man. me that owl boxes have been installed in Central Park a few years ago to help control the rat population, which surprised me. I once heard that when the Parks Department is asked about bringing in owls to eat the rats, they always say no way because they think the owls would also try to prey on small dogs. I'm confused and worried. (laughs) Answer. No birds are going to swoop down on your terrier. There are indeed owls in Central Park that have migrated there naturally, and though they likely swoop down from time to time for a rodent snack, the Parks Department has not put up owl boxes. Little nooks designed to attract owls for nesting in years. Blah, blah, blah. They're like, oh, we never tried that. This is the parks department. Uh, My recollection is the boxes didn't even work. And even if they did, we're not going to have an owl population great enough to confront the number of rats we have. What the city's (laughs) done instead is put poison in holes in the ground where rats dwell. Using a type of poison (laughs) that will not kill the animals that eat the dead rats. You know what? I would never have guessed that such such thought went into rat poison. It is a tough city to run, Russ. And these are the kinds of things that uh, city workers have to do. That's so... I mean, look, that's very smart. Because, look, you walk down the street and you see a dead rat. That's scary enough. But if that dead rat is, like, just one of a million dead rodents, if there are squirrels and other animals... Just yeah, littering, that's littering the ground of New York. Do you think the first rodenticide was killing everything and they were just like, ay, ay, ay. Yeah, <laughs> I, I wonder. <laughs> but also, what kills rats and does it, what what kind of poison? Well, I guess every species is different. Popsicle jokes, sweepstakes. What <laughs> kind of poison kills rats but does not kill animals that eat rats? Make it funny. It's a little high concept, but I can't wait. <laughs> Oh, and then here's another question. Why aren't Dalmatians the official firehouse pet anymore? Answer. There are not many left because what has happened is that they get run over. (laughs) 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 Said Jerry Sanford, (laughs) a spokesman for the fire department. Quote, I'm sorry, but that's what happens. (laughs) I don't know about you, but in my head, this spokesman is a Dalmatian. (laughs) And he's smoking. Yeah. Just like, look, we're endangered. I don't know. It's rough out there. Keep getting killed. We're we're not going to put our necks out for nothing. Anyway, those just those two felt like some quintessentially dark New York. I like that a lot. Dateline. Now, this is the only other story. Go ahead. This is the only other story I could find. Okay. uh, That was interesting. It was a very slow news week, weirdly. 
Uh, sure. In terms of stories that wouldn't send this podcast spiraling down into a dark right. hole of despair. Oh, oh so this is a story from New York Magazine from that week. Okay. The news was so slow, I had to turn to New York Mag. That Whoa. filthy rag. <laughs> Ready? Great rhyme. Ready for this headline? I don't know. Go for it. The drag queen had a mummy in her closet. I'm hooked. I'll read that novel. The very, very strange story of the late Paris's burning star and the corpse she may have stashed in her Manhattan apartment for 26 years. What is happening? Quote, child, it's, what's do- it's what Dorian told me to do. Take the costumes I wanted and sell the rest. So I had customers. They was going on a Halloween show. So that's the, that's the main character talking about their friend, Dorian, this famous drag queen who was in some documentary that I've heard of but never seen called Paris is Burning. Uh-huh. We might have even talked about it on the show, actually. I don't remember. I'm not sure. This story happens after they passed away. And this main character who's being interviewed was going through her things, you know, selling the dresses and stuff from the drag or drag life and came across a suitcase in the closet. I couldn't lift it because it was too heavy for me. Lois said quickly skipping to her own defense before turning to the point of the story. That's what I told the cops. I cussed them out, child. They said, if we find your fingerprints on it, I said, I'll tell you one MFing thing. You might see my hand on top of the damn thing, but I only weigh 135 pounds. I couldn't move that thing. Yada, yada, yada. Oh, here's where it gets crazy. The suitcase was so heavy and overstuffed that Lois didn't even try to find the zipper. She just picked up some scissors and told one of the customers, Uh-oh. cut it. <laughs> as soon as she did, as soon as he did, a horrible stink came out of the dusty That's what we called the police, Lois explained. Because, <laughs> honey, I wasn't chancing it. This is a Mad About, Mad About You, My Favorite Murder crossover episode. It sure is. It was a tale Holy. born for tabloid headline writers. No trick or treat, just a mummy and suitcase, read the New York Newsday headline two days later. <laughs> Wait, say it again. It doesn't even make sense. No trick or no trick, because I don't think it happened on Halloween. <laughs> Unless it did, and this is a story months later. No trick or treat, just a mummy in a suitcase. Just a <laughs> You want to talk about things that sound like they are sayings but aren't. (laughs) A partially mummified body had been found in a suitcase in the Harlem apartment. The body was of a man wearing ragged boxer shorts and one sleeve of a t-shirt. He had been shot in the head. Wow. Isn't that something? Apparently. Partially mummified? Partially mummified. This story gets so much weirder. What happened? They ran out of gauze? Well, they wrapped. Oh boy! So they talked to uh, one of the detectives that showed up to the scene. Uh huh. The body had been wrapped in imitation leather. Mm. Yada yada yada. That is very '90s New York. Imitation leather. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The costume <laughs> designer from Rent was in the apartment. <laughs> just some guy out on the street. Just hey, you want some? You want some authentic mummy wrappings? And they bring it home. And they're like, this is fake. <laughs> oh, boy. They're talking to the detective. And the, the interviewer goes, did you ever see Paris is Burning? And he goes, it's not on my list of home movies. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, here we go. Oh, how is it wrapped? Oh, no, he doesn't say. Okay. They identified the body through fingerprints, he told me. 
that, quote, Bobby, as he called the corpse, was a black man born December 18, 1938. His real name was Bobby Worley. Bobby Wells was an alias. He was wearing a gray overcoat and uh, over what looked like a light-colored bathrobe. Apparently, he was a bit of a... He was a he had been accused of raping a woman. Ugh. I don't know how that leads to what happened, but yeah, he was in Sing Sing in the '60s for that. I can think of a few ways. So not accused. <laughs> he was convicted. Yeah. Wait, well, there was some. Dis- but, well, it started. It started with an accusation, <laughs> and then <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm just looking for like these quote. Oh, so the first thing the body was wrapped in was naga hide like material with tape around it. It was that cheap brown material they make fake leather jackets out of. Then I think there was some other material around it. Then they put in a plastic bag. He said the body was halfway between mummified and decomposed. When you have all the wrapping, no air is getting to it, he explained. But it's still losing liquid out of the body. So the body, this is a quote, sort of floats in its own soup. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm glad we found this. So that it's not anything uh, terrifying or disgusting. You believe Something this? we could joke about. The, oh, my the God. The way people talk is so wild. It was like very old fabric, Figaro said. If you touch it, it's going to fall apart. <laughs> I try not to give away trade secrets because of other fingerprint people. I invented something. There's a way of hardening the skin, making it sort of like leather. Because when you have an unknown body, you usually need all 10 digits to make a match. Sure, everybody knows that. The reason they think it's so old is because they were finding pull tabs from beer cans inside the leather, and they were like, that hasn't been a common thing in beer for like at least 10 to 20 years. Wow. Anyway, it's a very long story. I I didn't even have a chance to read the whole thing. Maybe we'll tweet it this week, but ay-yay-yay. That's intense and a lot. fascinating. Yeah. This is a good one, John. I like this one a lot. There's also an article about the uh, Italian restaurant wars, which is extremely boring, but let's add it to the list of wars. Another war. And, when will we have peace in our times? <laughs> and I don't think it would be right of us to bring up New York Magazine without reading a couple personals. Oh, please. Are you a lover? Does hugging, kissing, passionately a beautiful, cultured, educated woman bring enjoyment into your life? I'm listening. Please be educated, cultured, and loving, financially secure, as I am. <laughs> <laughs> she knows three words. Beautiful, cultured, educated. Beautiful, cultured, educated. (laughs) SOS. Sensitive, outgoing, shapely. White, Jewish, single female. Hoping to be rescued by a tall, handsome man who enjoys living life to his fullest. Rescued. Oh, boy. Oh, sure, sure. Pretty woman. Don't walk on by. Oh, Uh, pretty woman. Won't you take a while, pretty woman? Won't you make me smile? This 38-year-old Jewish CEO, well-traveled and willing to travel, (laughs) to find that spontaneous and special pretty woman of 28 to 36 years. Come with me, darling. I'll treat you right. Be mine for life. Those are more (laughs) lyrics, man. Most of of this is just pulled from Pretty Woman. (laughs) Ooh, this one, I guarantee this one went nowhere. Adventurous 32-year-old. Why? What Roy Orbison song did she pull from? (laughs) Fun-loving, non-smoking female is looking for the last, quote, normal man. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, you might be looking in the wrong place, lady. Yeah. G- great news. I was reading the personals, and uh, you found me, the last normal man. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Anyway, that's all the news that's fit to print. I hope they found love. Beautiful. I hope so. Fingers crossed. So... Let's talk about episode proper, shall we? Why not? 
It was directed by David Steinberg. We got a new director. Very interesting. I didn't even look. Oh, I, I imagine the shock on all the listeners' faces <laughs> hearing that. Hey, man, I care about things. I don't have a natural nickname for him right now, so let's not give him one. Okay. You dodged a we'll bullet, David. Well, what, what do we know? Do we know what else he's directed? Well, you know David Steinberg, right? Sounds uh, like no. No. No, that's why I asked the question about what else he's directed. <laughs> he is a guy... If you've ever watched any, like, old show about comedy, like, they always interview him. He's always okay. there. And you're every time you're like, who is this guy? And everyone talks about how he's the funniest guy in the world. And you watch him and you're like, he doesn't seem like it. He just seems like a normal guy. And I've never you seen him what? in anything. So what are you guys talking about? He apparently is a famous comedy director. He was a writer on the Smothers Brothers, which apparently was the funniest show in the history of the world. He had his own show on Showtime, I think, where he interviewed comedians. I forget what it was called. He has white hair. He's thin. He's tall. He's Jewish. Does that ring a bell? Okay. For for a little while, it sounded like you were talking about Steve Martin. Yeah, true. Then you got he actually then you got to Jewish, and I was like, yeah, different guy. He's, he's sort of like a Jewish Steve Martin in a way. I feel like sure. Hey, and they both wrote him. Sounds the sounds to me like we just got a nickname for this guy. The <laughs> Jewish he's Steve real... Martin. Jewish Steve Martin. <laughs> and it was written, I knew we'd uh, find yeah. it. <laughs> okay. David Steinberg. The, the Jewish, Jewish Steve, Steve Martin. Martin. <laughs> and it was written by Danny Jacobson. Ah. Co-creator. Wonderful. I, what I wrote down is I said this episode to me felt like a season three premiere. Because we got like a new character. We're, we're reintroducing. Like we got a character coming. A new director. Yeah. Sorry. We have a character coming back. Like. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It just felt very. It felt like a return to form a little. You know, it's I been a bit of a zany season, and this was like a silly but more grounded and emotional. It felt like it felt like the old days. Yeah, it felt like the old days, and it got me and, real and, excited also, for season three. I'll tell you why it felt like the old days is because it, yeah. Rich. Well, there. Are, I mean, there are a few different reasons. Sure, sure. We can get to them now, or we can get to them later. Which would you prefer? I think everyone knows that Richard Kind is appearing. Well, Richard Kind appears, yes, but also part of what happens is they have the same fight or they have the same doubts that they always have of, uh, are you going to leave me? Oh, sure, sure. They've they've had that whole, but what if you did? What if something else came? Oh, yeah. That never that goes away, common, I would assume. Right. So that's why I feel so familiar because we've seen this plot a bunch of times. Yeah, but I'm speaking more to the tone and the style of humor. Sure. I get you. I'm with you. So well, we go got with the, me cold into the cold open. open. <laughs> the cold open is a classic. This cold open was used in commercials for the show. Really? And yep. And uh, yeah, Wait, Jamie. That's different for the show. Yeah. Oh, like, you mean it's for, a four clapper? You know, it's not a four clapper, but it would be like there are YouTube videos where it's like etiquette. But I'm mad about you, and it's this for it's this scene, and it's okay. not just like this week on Mad About You. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. What happens is Jamie. Exits. Uh, Jamie enters the living room. Paul is watching television on the couch. Jamie has a toilet paper roll and an empty toilet paper tube on the what? The toilet paper holder. We're we gonna call that. Sure. Yeah. Bottom line is, she says, "Watch me," and she discards the empty toilet paper tube, holds up a full toilet paper roll, puts it back on the holder, and says, "Voila." Is everyone following this? You need. <laughs> you need a diagram. You do it. It's uh, I can't. No, I'm listening to it. I'm like, this is hard to describe. But yeah. my God, is that confusing? It would, 
It would be a lot easier if there was an easier way to say toilet paper holder. She pedantically switches the toilet paper. She switches out the empty toilet paper for a full one. Perfect. In front of Paul. You want to do the rest of the episode, John? Do you want to do this? No. You're so good at this. You want to do this? (laughs) No, I'd rather correct you the whole time. (laughs) That's more fun for sure. (laughs) But yeah, a legendary bit of business. She looks uh, very annoyed. It's very funny. Yes. You know, I wrote Paul is reading the paper with... Reading glasses. That's true. In like is. 31. Yeah. Yeah. People have glasses. Well, he uses them. Reading you know, glasses? We've seen him use them at work. We've seen him use them at work. I think he's just maybe farsighted. Oh, farsighted. That's the reading glasses one, right? Yeah. That means that he needs that, he needs glasses to see near. I guess I just associate them with older people, which is ignorant. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I guess I'm ignorant. Yeah. Okay. Let's move you're, on. You're, I mean, yeah. You're proving yourself to be an ignorant racist today. <laughs> I sure am. <laughs> hey, so um, I marched. <laughs> yeah, you marched without a sign. I don't, don't want to hear it. <laughs> I had a sign in my heart. A sign in your heart. The sign in your heart said, Russ is having brunch right now. <laughs> uh, so we cut to the living room where Jamie is on the couch. She's on the phone with a classmate. And the classmate is a guy. She is setting this guy up on a date with Fran. And Paul is looking everywhere for a shoe. And as Jamie is talking to this guy, she's being pretty flirty with this guy. She or at sure least very, is. Very, very comfortable for sure. She tells him what sweater to wear. Yes. That's a lot. Yeah. I mean, she knows his outfits. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she's comfortable sharing. Oh, it, you know, that's a... The subtext there is, that looks good on you. Yes. Yeah. Jamie is vaguely helping Paul to find a shoe. By pointing just kind of in different directions. Yeah. Until she until she gets up and walks over to the closet where she pulls the shoe off of a high shelf. What was so satisfying about that moment is that Christine mm-hmm. and I both went, what? And then to see Paul do the same thing mm-hmm. uh, was so... he. Yeah. This episode has a lot of Paul reactions to like... You, you really feel like you're on Paul's side in this episode. Because like several things happen... And as an audience member, I was like, what? And then he would go, what? (laughs) Like, we're really in sick. That's really funny. So this guy's name is Nick. And Paul and Jamie are going to be double dating that night with Fran and Nick. And yeah, Jamie's being very flirty with this guy. And Jamie uses the deflection very often during this episode. He's 25. Yeah, which makes no sense. Because she's sitting him over with Fran. That's also true. I didn't even think about the that. Same <laughs> the same age. The same age. Yeah, she says he's 25. Paul says, oh, yeah, I forgot that's a turnoff. And so, yeah, Paul's going to head out for the day. Jamie tries to entice him into having sex before he does so. I think it's because uh, Nick made her a little uh, worked up. Ooh, I didn't even think about it that way. I think that was the implication there. Another level. Ooh, could be. Well, now, did did Nick get her worked up, or is she trying to prove that Nick means nothing? No, no. I think, uh, well, I first thought it was just school got her all youthful and uh, energetic. But then there's, upon second watching, it just got the vibe that maybe it was talking to Nick. Very interesting. Yeah. So you think you think if the if the sex oh this would be interesting if the sex had gone through if the sex had gone through if uh-huh. they had wound up having sex 
this could have been a situation wherein she accidentally calls him Nick. Sure. So this episode could have been the last episode of Mad About You had things broken a little well, bit. Well, listen, they've survived worse. That's true. They have. Oh, so, uh, Boy, Jamie... we, we... Paul forgave her in a matter of years. We'll never forgive her. At no point. <laughs> nor, you know, nor should we. Hey, everyone <laughs> remember when Jamie slept with someone when they were engaged? Oh, man. Man, oh, man. That's a thing. That's a real thing <laughs> that happened on this show. And these people are going to cast judgment. In a few... In ten minutes, these people are going to do a lot of heavy judging yeah, this is of a, a married couple. Listen, they deal with the big moral issues on this show. They do. It's a moral play. <laughs> it is. It's a morality play. Thank so you, morality. Cut... I was like, why did that sound wrong? A moral play. That's why I said so morality. We... Okay, go. <laughs> so we cut to the Apollo Cafe. Oh, wait. We we're skipping... I mean, we can. There's nothing to I, say. I... Jamie goes, mommy will be waiting in a sexy voice. Yes. For when she Paul says, gets don't home. Do- yeah, don't dawdle on your way home. Mommy will be waiting. And yeah. Paul says, oh, you just ruined the whole thing. But then she goes, no, no, not your mommy. Right. Like, what? what? Yeah. She, I mean, like, that fixes it? it. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. But it's the reason why Like, it's none of it's good. It's None funny. Good. Uh, no, people don't refer to you. Don't refer to each other in parental roles. Uh, unless you're Mike Pence. When it comes to sex. Um, <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, he's the only one. He's the only one allowed to call his significant other mother. Ugh. Even joking about that right now. Blah, blah. Anyway. Well, that was a delicious we... dinner, mother. But what's for dessert? Oh, John. Come on, man. Oh, you know what? I have to go. The president's calling. <laughs> <laughs> so now we cut to, mercifully, the Apollo <laughs> Cafe. <laughs> the famed and, Apollo uh, Cafe, right in the heart of New York City. Do you know? I do not know this cafe. Do you know this cafe? No, I don't think it's real. I think I just picked a generic no. Greek oh, diner name. Sure. I got you. There so, could also uh, be 11 of them. You know what I mean? Yeah, yes, also true. Yeah. yeah. Paul wants to do a documentary because the fastest short order cook in the city works there. Right. Paul is really searching for material. Let me tell you something, my friend. What's up? There is one. Fantastic 1970 short (laughs) film about a hyperkinetic short order cook named Spider. Look at Spider go. In this short movie from 1970, we see an energetic short order cook experiencing full-blown complicated word flow state as he prepares dishes for late night pre hangover crowd at a small (laughs) diner in New Hampshire. His movements are unpredictably explosive and accompanied by bursts of discordant whistling. He reminds me of Tex Avery's cartoons and Raymond Scott's music. Here's his obituary. (laughs) (laughs) You sure can deliver the written word, John. (laughs) In his youth, Mr. Osgood was a golden glove boxer. Just like Fred Mertz. He was an amazing short order cook who got his nickname of Spider from his ability to multitask while working at the Shore Diner and Paul's Diner. He was an antique clock repairman for several years and was owner of Osgood's Clock Repair. Wow. Tragically, Joe Pesci's going to shoot him in the foot and then later in the chest. Oh my gosh, that's right. That's right, Spider. <laughs> uh, oh, he has a much Michael longer obituary. To these days? He's uh, in and out of TV shows. Is he? Yeah, he was on a show. Okay. I don't remember what show. Okay. Anyway, Spider passed away in so, 2012, yeah, so Paul... but his memory lives on in this movie. It does. Which is on YouTube. R.I.P. 
R.I.P. Spider. Oh, is it? Okay, I'll sure watch is. that. I'll watch a short. Yeah, no I'll kidding. I'll watch a short doc. Yeah. Oh, this that's how good you are, John. Huh. I started off being like, boom, Paul's burning out. That's of true. And now I'm like, yeah, I'll watch this on YouTube. Yeah. And clearly my taste is very discerning yeah, of I, what I'll watch on YouTube. I managed to clear so. the lowest bar in America. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Paul. It's harder to buy says, stamps than get you to watch something. <laughs> that sounds like an expression. It does. But it isn't. It's not. But it's, <laughs> Paul says to the owner of the cafe, in your 12 years working here, has anyone ever offered to make a movie about this place? The owner says, never. And then soon after that exchange, Paul gets handed a doggy bag. And he says, what's this? The owner says, a number 12. You said 12, didn't you? Paul says, man, he's fast. So that's a joke. You didn't like that bit of the food uh, just appearing? It's, I... Because I sure did. <laughs> did you, I, you know, as I was watching it, I was like, John's going to eat this one up. I did. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, it's, it, it was okay. It's, it's goofy. The idea, yeah, it is definitely goofy. What's your sense the of humor, mister? Just like, <laughs> I've made it pretty clear that I want my comedy to be very, very serious. <laughs> huh. That uh, diner so, owner? Yeah. The owner of Apollo? Yes. Who is shockingly not Greek. Right. Or I guess he might be. He might be. You don't see a lot he, of he, black Greek men on TV, though. So, who, yeah. No, you don't. He doesn't come across. He doesn't read as Greek. His name is Ivory Ocean. He doesn't have a very Greek name. Correct. No. Well, almost Roman, though, I guess, in a way. Sure. He has a very decadent name. He was in uh, <laughs> The Mask. If his name had been Ivory Fijian Sea, maybe. <laughs> oh, very good. Oh, I need a nap. Yeah. That took a lot, and it was probably wrong. Oh. He was in a walk in the class. Oh, he had a small part. I didn't mean to so dismiss him. He was in a walk oh. in the clouds. Lost Highway. That's famous, right? Oh, yeah. It's yeah, a that's, David Lynch uh, movie. Th that's a David Lynch. Oh, and that's Leprechaun real... in the Hood. Isn't that like a famous B movie? Didn't How Did This yeah, Get I Made mean, do that yeah. or something? Yes, they did. Yes, they did. I don't know if it's a B movie as much as it is just a really lousy big budget movie. Oh, I just found his most important credit. What was it? He is the cop from the episode of Seinfeld, The Scofflaw. Which one was The Scofflaw? You just made me lose my white whale. <laughs> Remember? When Kramer gets the eye patch? Oh, yes. Oh, my God. That's and, very uh, funny. you know, Jake Jarmel. Jake Jarmel, who also appeared on an episode of Mad About You. This is a big one. Everything's coming together. We today. have a Mad About You. So okay. I Boy, it's, it's maybe too tangential to label. But we've <laughs> we've identified a Seinfeld but episode here we go. <laughs> in which two actors appeared in separate episodes of Mad About You. That's something. That's not nothing. I don't know what it is, but that's not nothing. Right. We'll come up with We'll come up with a name. I burned off my remaining brain cells coming up with that C, which I cannot remember what I said again. So I, I, I cannot come up with a nickname for this kind of scenario. A mob about right you. Um, <laughs> it's like a Mobius strip of, of sitcom actors. That, we'll keep working that on it. seemingly... Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? That's what it's going to wind it's up being. Se <laughs> <laughs> Seemingly leads you away, but ultimately brings you right back to where you started. Oh, my gosh. Mobile, you. Love it. I'm on board. So uh, one one thing worth noting for me is uh, the extra mm -mm. at the, at at the, the counter? counter. Yeah. Next to Paul. Yeah. He's doing, doing some top-notch toothpick work. 
Wait, is he? Oh, yeah. I stared at him for a while, and it was yeah. never during the toothpick he's this, parts. He's just this old dude, just kind of like working. Not, nothing nothing super hyper dramatic. He's not going for laughs. Just kind of like, oh, I got a little something in my teeth. Let me get rid of that. Yeah. Just looking. <laughs> he's clearly been given the direction. Just look straight ahead. Don't you? That don't is you, very true. Yeah. Don't you dare look at either. He of looks them. like he has a dare. gun trained on him. Yeah. Yeah. He is not moving. <laughs> he's great. Oh man. And so he has Paul, a big hat next to him. Like a. He does. Like a bus driver from the honeymooners. Well, like what's his name? <laughs> Jackie Gleason. <laughs> oh man. So Paul is leaving. And who on earth does he walk right into? That's right, it's Antonio. Hey, 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 hey. What are you doing here? I'm a busboy. I was gonna tell you that. Look at you, you're a busboy. So how do I look? You look like a busboy. What are you doing? You're a doctor. Antonio, clear 13. Yeah, okay. Antonio, that's you. You're Antonio now? I'm loving it. Wow, did I miss a meeting? Weren't you like in Alaska or Santa Fe or something? Paul, I was everywhere. For the most glorious 12 months of my life. I've done every job imaginable. You know what I did in Wisconsin? Something with cheese. <laughs> Merchant Marine. Living on a barge, eating soup with my hands, and I loved it, Paul. You know, all my life, I've been so sheltered. Now I've seen the world, I've faced my fears. I'm a new man, Paul. Have you called your wife? Can't do that. Oh. Ah, it's not Antonio. Hi, Mark. He's so good. It's so good to have him back. He is one of the greatest actors that ever lived. He's really great. And I'll tell you, he's better in this episode than he was in the entire first season of the show. Well, that's ridiculous. That's maybe the stupidest I, thing I've ever heard in my life. I think I think his acting is stellar in this. Maybe I, it's a tie all the way around. I think part of what makes it so refreshing is that it's a different side of Mark. Yes. That's all. Yes. He Fair expertly enough. plays the other Mark. Yeah. In season that's very one. True. But this yeah, is a he, different he Mark. Is, yes, he has gone through a journey. Absolutely. I'm a bus he's a boy. New, he's a new man. I'm a bus boy. We learn he hasn't spoken to Fran in 10 months. Yeah. Whew. Yeah. Gosh. We learn a little bit about a few of the things that he's done. He worked as a merchant marine in Wisconsin on a barge eating soup with his hands. Yeah, that didn't get a laugh. No, it didn't. But that seems like an unusual place to be a merchant marine. It does. Okay. It do- I was. I thought the same thing. Yeah. I was like, huh. But yeah, <laughs> eating soup with his hands. Yeah. <laughs> and he makes Paul promise not to tell Fran that he's back in town. Mackie's and, back yeah, in town. Yes, Mackie's back in town. And uh, as I said, he hasn't spoken to Fran in 10 months. So at that point... After promising that he won't tell Fran, Paul gets handed a tuna melt because, as the owner says, you said 10, right? So, yeah, 10 months. You said the number 10. Gets get, another food. Get food. Gets another, another bit of food. Russ dies a little and, more inside. And John laughs and, and laughs live. and laughs. Yeah. <laughs> I thrive. So we cut back to the apartment. Whoa, whoa. What happened? One of my what? favorite parts of the episode. You're just going to skip? Tell me. Tell me. Catch me up. He... It, we learn that he's been following them a little around oh, the yeah. city. Yes, that's right. Yes. And Mark follows them and Fran to damn Yankees. Yeah. And then he says, oh, you got to have a heart. It's such a great number. Yeah. I stood. You don't even stand. 
You don't even stand. He criticizes the way they applaud at the theater. <laughs> also, there's a... I don't know who on the th- cast or writer's room loves theater, but uh, there was an active production going on. Was that the one with Jerry Lewis? I'll bet it was. No. Victor Garber. Oh, uh, okay. And B.B. Newworth. Great. And Vicky just, Lewis. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a fun show. I'll go and see that. Oh, you can. It closed. Oh. Just a, a hair too late. Story of my life. Uh, no, I don't know. When the, Jerry Lewis uh, must have been a long time ago, right? I don't know I the mean, show. Is there a super old guy in it? Well, it's the it's the guy who plays the devil. Oh, right. You know what? If it had Victor Garber in it, that might. Did, does there is there a name for who, who uh, for Victor Garber's character? Applegate. Yeah, that's the devil. Ah. Okay. I don't know the I show. Maybe... I really want to hear this song that Mark loves. It's a fun show. Oh, you gotta have heart. You know that song. You gotta have heart. All you really need is heart. I don't know that song. It actually sounds so horrible that I don't want to see it anymore. Oh, <laughs> uh, but just imagine imagine 10, <laughs> 10 to fifteen dudes singing that <laughs> in harmony. Actually that makes me want to see it more. It's great. I'm all over uh, the place. Yeah, I think you I think you'd like it. Yeah, you're probably right. So so now we get back to the apartment great. with Fran and Jamie. Right. And have they? Do we know what they've been playing? Were they playing racquetball? I assume racquetball. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why. I also they didn't mention what they were playing. I assumed racquetball. Well, they and played I thought it before. When they when they were playing racquetball, I, when I assumed that, I was just like, oh, that is some white people nonsense. That I see, <laughs> I see two two middle aged white women come into a room sweating, and I was like, oh, they're probably playing racquetball. <laughs> they could be playing anything, but. They were probably playing racquetball, and I'm probably right. Yeah, but that's because they've played it before. That's true. And it's a very popular sport back then. Sure. And they're not dressed in tennis clothes. That's and also true. And I believe true. their bags have rackets in them. They did have rackets. Okay, good. It didn't come out of absolutely nowhere. It came out of like 100 clues. <laughs> it Well, you know what? In my defense, I guess, it would have been weird if they had a basketball in their hands. And we were like, they were probably playing racquetball. That would have been weird. That would have been weird. They could have been playing basketball. <laughs> they could have. They could have been playing baseball. <laughs> there are a lot of sports. They could John. have been playing handball. <laughs> Down on Brighton Beach. <laughs> so Jamie let Fran win in order to feel good about herself before the date. And Fran says, why wouldn't I feel good? I'm a 33-year-old single mom being set up with a 25-year-old college kid. Which is like, yeah, that's fine. What? The, what? Come on. I mean, it's a bit of an age gap, but yeah. I get Yeah, but it's like, yeah, cool. Good. You're doing fine. You're doing fine for where you are right oh, now. Oh, well, bravo, Russ. <laughs> she and Jamie drink a not Budweiser. Yes. A can of red, white, and blue beer marked beer. And uh, Fran says, there's this weird exchange here for a second. Fran asks Jamie, what do you think he'll like about me specifically? And Jamie says, you're really vulnerable right now. Guys like that. Interesting. Yeah. I'm like, who? This is, this says something. I'm not sure that about I like what this who? says about men and women. Hmm. You don't like what it says about anyone. Yeah. I, I, this is a, a bummer of a, a bummer of a reality of the dating scene and, and, uh, and, and interpersonal relationships. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it's human nature, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I love that Jamie just belches. I think I missed that. What? She? Well, she's the, at the first sip after the beer, she just goes, <laughs> And it's so funny and natural. Oh, man. 
so yeah, so she decides she's going to wear jeans on her date. Fran does because she's having a good ass day. That gets a big laugh. Big laugh. And then Jamie tries to decide if she's having a good ass day, and she does so by walking herself around in a circle. At which point, Paul gets home and sees her. And then they have this exchange. Listen to this. You, in a million years, will not guess who I ran into this afternoon. You, you could start naming off names now, and I'm telling you, by the year 3000, you will be no closer than you are right now to guessing who I ran into this afternoon. Mark. <laughs> I mean, Mark. Mark who? What Mark? Franz Mark. <clears throat> How could it be Franz Mark? What, you, what kind of thing is that? Nobody has seen the guy for over a year. You want to guess? Guess? Come on, get serious. All right, I'm sorry. Who did you run into? Mark. No. Yes. It's so spot on. Yeah. How Paul acting like it's not Mark. Yep. Well, Jamie guessing Mark's amazing. Paul acting like it's Very not funny. Mark. But then when she finds out it is Mark, the reality yeah. of that still yes. surprises her. It's all very well played. It's, uh, if I were if I were Paul in that situation and she guessed, I'd 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 be so I'd be so excited that she got it and also so mad that she ruined my surprise. I would do exactly <laughs> what he did, beat for beat. Oh yeah? Yeah. Good for you. <laughs> I guess there's nothing more frustrating. <laughs> I I might be like, look, you're right, but in my head, I tell you this, so I'm just going to do that, okay? <laughs> <laughs> you already did. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, Jamie is worried about spilling the beans at the date. And I mean, then it's pretty we... hard not to tell her. Yeah, understandable. I mean, what would you do? I'd, I'd tell her. <laughs> yeah, right? It's like, who who do you respect more, Mark or Fran? Fran. She's your friend. Yeah, and she's the one that didn't walk out on her family. Yeah, and not the one who left. Yeah. 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 So, Jared, <laughs> we cut to riffs, and Jamie is laughing, burying her head into Nick's shoulder as he tells a funny story. Yeah, it's a lot of flirting. A lot of flirting. Heavy duty. And Paul is sitting on the other side of Jamie, and he jokes and buries his head into her shoulder Mm -hmm. to to tease her about it. This guy, Nick, is played by David Barron. Okay. And he seems to be- Very well pronounced. Thank you. The voiceover king of L.A. Oh, yeah? Yeah. It's just voice, 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 voice. Was he ever Hey Arnold? No. He was, however, Wilbur. Which Wilbur? In the lesser-known cartoon sequel, Charlotte's Web 2, Wilbur's Great Adventure. Salutations! Well, it's not a a Hanna-Barbera production, so I don't even know if I'm interested. Oh, I love Charlotte's Web so much much so do i it's one of my favorite cartoons favorite oh movies my probably gosh yeah wilbur the pig knows how important friendship is he learned that from a spider named charlotte yep so when wilbur meets cardigan a lonely lamb <laughs> wilbur immediately makes him his friend wilbur shows cardigan the joys of farm life and introduces him to three very special spiders nelly aranya and joy Charlotte's daughters. Oh, even hearing you say that. Oh, John, Charlotte's web is so great. When Farmer Zuckerman suddenly sells Cardigan to another farmer, Wilbur realizes what he must do. Ooh, wee, what do you see? Zuckerman's famous pig. Hey. Oh, ah, look at him now. You don't oh. know the words? I, I thought I did, but uh, until I sang them just now, I realized that I don't. I remember. What if he's not so, so big? big? Some courageous, <laughs> radiant, humble thing of a jig of a pig. <laughs> Yay! Joined by a cunning rat named Templeton. Oh. Maria Bamford's a voice. Oh. 
<laughs> I'm fully on oh, board. Oh, and Lorraine Newman. Wow. <laughs> Is this thing good? Who plays Probably Templeton? Not. No, there's no way. Charlie Adler, because I guess Paul Lind was dead. Yes. Oh, my God. Paul Lind in that movie. They set out on an unforgettable journey to find Cardigan and discover that with courage, heart, and the love of your friends, you can do all you can do most anything. Wow. So they go look for this lamb. I th- I like the name Cardigan. I don't like the plot. A, for a lamb. Yeah. Minisode. Yeah, sure. I'm in. <laughs> I'll watch anything with uh, Wilbur in it, quite so, honestly. Uh, this might be one of his only uh, he's yeah, he's got like Four performances on camera that aren't voiceover, but then he has like eight billion voiceover video wow. games, like crazy too. Anyway, interesting. He's a great Good actor. Great. Remind me of his name. I don't know. Well, I, yeah. <laughs> David. David. <laughs> David. David. David Baron. Oh, that's right. So he goes to get beers, and on his way up and out, he holds Jamie's hand and insists on getting the beers for everybody. Paul tells Jamie. You're very girlish. You're like a little happy seal. Yeah. And Jamie's just very confused by this. She says, I'm flirting. Paul says, yes. Jamie says, is it that obvious? Paul says, yes. Jamie says, I'll give you 20 bucks to get out of here. That's a fun little exchange. To go to a movie. (laughs) Yeah. And then Paul meets up with Nick over at the bar. Hey, put your money away. You're a student. My dad's loaded. All right, I'll carry the drinks. Thanks. Oh, you know, 20, by the way, you know the little thing where you keep touching my wife? I don't like that. <laughs> applause. An applause break yeah. for Paul setting Nick straight. Yeah. Great. This is a great moment. I love that my dad's rich. Yeah, it was really funny. <laughs> my dad's loaded. Oh, great. Then you get it. I'll walk him. Where do they go him. again? Oh, Columbia. Yes. He's an undergraduate. Oh, no, he's a graduate student. Eh, graduate student. Whatever. Yeah. He's 25. He's 25. So we were on a break. So Mark arrives. Yeah. Looking like he just he got is... off a bus in the 1950s. Ah. He's got his busboy outfit on, like an old-fashioned sport uh, windbreaker. Now, he's definitely been following them, right? Oh, yes. And Well done. Yes. But now here's the thing. like They've been there for a while. He was working out the courage to go in, I guess. I'm sure you're right. I'm just thinking about him just like outside while there. Because if he's following them a lot, I picture him like outside of Riffs looking into a window at them. Right. And I'm like, this is creepy, Mark. But yeah, I'm sure he was just working up the courage. So yeah, he comes inside. He asks Paul why Paul didn't tell Fran that he was back. He gets introduced to Nick and he says, he learns that she's on a date and he says, oh, this is great. I'm Dr. Mark Devenow. I'm Fran's husband. I made 300 grand last year. Yeah, he gets a little uh, little defensive or insecure. Very defensive. Yeah, yeah he's, he does not care for somebody being on a date with his wife. And then one of the funny, one of the weirdest. Oh, oh, we're playing a clip. Oh, this is great. How you doing? I'm Dr. Devenow. I'm Fran's husband. I made 300 grand last year. <laughs> nice work. That's such a funny moment. The delay and the laugh is so satisfying. What happens, you won't know, folks, is the busboy comes to clear things from the table, <laughs> and Mark looks at him and says, Nice work. Not just, just looks, totally. He like pats him on the shoulder. Yeah. A lot of admiration for the job that he's doing. Uh, totally, total sincerity says, Nice work. From one busboy to another. Yeah. 
and nobody in the audience gets it because it is so subtle. Yeah, it's so subtle. And then they all get it like two seconds. They all later. get it at this. Yeah, at the same the same time, time I got seconds it. After. Yeah, because I went to Christine. I said, "Did he just say nice work?" Yeah. Oh. So that's what happens at the beginning of that clip, and at the end of that clip, Fran slaps Mark. Yeah. In the face. And, and you can feel yeah. the 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 uncomfortability. <laughs> It's palpable. Yeah. <laughs> the discomfort. Yeah, he, uh, oh my gosh. I'm there tired. You go. No, we're doing great. Ugh. Uncomfortability. <laughs> yeah, it's... Oh boy. It sounds you know, really uh... stupid and someone else's mouth. <laughs> Jamie is, you know, very uncomfortable. She pulls her hands up to her face and just kind of, oof. It's a rough <laughs> moment. Yeah. I'm tired too, John. She pulls her hands up to her face and kind of, oof. We're getting through. Oh. <laughs> so we come back. We come back from commercial. Kind of oof. Yeah. Kind of oof. We come back from commercial and Mark and Fran are getting along famously. Yes. For three weeks, he ate nothing but okra. Yeah, he's recounting yep. his tales. Yeah. You look great. You, she, he says to her, you're taking this very well. She says, I really am. She says to him, you look 10 years younger. He says, because I'm happy. And Paul and Jamie are very confused. And he... Paul says... Re- oh, you go ahead. No, yeah. Paul says, remember when she slapped him? That's the last thing I understood. Yeah. It's true. It's very... Uh, I don't know if it's actually modern, but it's what you would watch and people would say, that's very modern. Yeah, they are They are very... They're handling this like adults. They are very... They've progressed very well. Yeah. And he... They've made their peace with it. He has struck the funniest pose... Yeah. ...of just confident comfort yeah he's just sitting back in his chair yeah. it hangs so funny on that character yeah because it it's does. so not it's, like him you're absolutely right here here are some of the things that he's done he was a coal miner in west virginia he manufactured beef jerky and jerky byproducts in abilene texas he auditioned for a clown school in tallahassee he says the interview went great i walked right into a door and yeah oh, the best one he was a brake man for the southern pacific railroad till he fell off <laughs> so uh paul and jamie come back to the table and they don't get it they offer to leave then i went for an audition at the clown school in tallahassee wow isn't that the harvard of clown schools yeah, yeah. interview went great walked right into a door <laughs> <laughs> sounds like fun it was you guys are kidding me right what? You know, maybe we should go and let you guys hash this out no stay we're just catching up we're in a good place how, how can you be in a good place? I, do, I don't I don't get it. We've both grown. I forgive him. You're not really dealing with this, either of you. No, I think we are. Okay, just so I know that I'm on the same planet here. You, he walked out on you. I know. No explanation. It's who I was at the time. Maybe it was for the best. You know what? Why don't we go and leave you alone? No, 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 no. There's nobody I'd rather be here with than the two of you. And Nick. Love Nick. <laughs> you love your wife's day. Please, Paul. We're not children. I don't... I, Frank, one hour ago, you slapped him in the face. It was an impulse. And I forgave her. Again, they're forgiving. Why not? What, you, what are you saying? There's, there's no consequence to his action? Look, Paul, nobody's perfect. I, you know, she slept with Ira. Love, Ira. Yeah, they're very blunt. Yeah, yeah. 
Do you think they're handling it too well? Mark and Fran? Yeah. I think it makes sense. Yeah. Because it's I been think too they... long. She says it in the next scene. She's like, yeah, come they back. make sense out of it. Yeah. yeah. Ten months is a, maybe, I guess, enough for her to sort of grow, you know, detached. Yeah. Yeah. To, to heal a bit. Yeah. <laughs> Paul can't believe it. I love the whole thing with just, the, you know, uh, Mark saying, oh, I love Nick. Yes. Yeah. Then, I mean, the, the, he's getting along with her date even. Yeah. And Paul saying, you know, she slept with Ira. Love Ira. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, when he turns to Paul, goes, please, Paul, we're not children. We're not. Yeah. He felt like we were in a pincer play. He keeps eye contact with Paul the entire time. Because he's a great actor. Yeah. He's sitting back in his chair and just like, and then this, he's just justifying every. It's unbelievable. Richard Kind. Ah. Yeah. I'm saying. You don't seem to think he was very good in this episode, if I remember correctly. I said this is the best he's ever been. And you said, no, you're stupid. He sucks. That's what you said. That's some revisionist history. <laughs> so we go to the Apollo Cafe. And the cook is slower. He's slowed down because of the lights and the cameras. That's funny. Pressure. Can't handle it. <laughs> and then I'm going to play this clip about Mark talking about a ketchup bottle because suddenly we get a glimpse of our old Mark again. See, why... Why would somebody peel the label off a ketchup bottle? So senseless. I'm with him. <laughs> you really are. I mean, why? You're, why do that? You're just monsters. There are monsters out in the world. Oh, man. Now we get a clap. We haven't had this in a long time. Like a classic back and forth between the guys yeah. and the girl. Well, I guess we have. Yeah. We haven't had it with Mark in a long time. Right. We've had it with Ira. Yes. We cut back to the apartment, and Jamie and Fran are there. And, yeah, this is where Fran kind of lays it out. She says, after three months, I'd have taken him back. After six months, I'd have killed him. He came back after a year, and I had dinner with him. That is a wonderful line, Danny Jacobson. It really is. It's a really, really very, very nicely it done. It makes so much sense. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, all this stuff is just like, as, as I was writing the note down, like the words were hitting me, and I was just like, yeah, yeah. It's very good. Yeah. And yeah, so then we get some quick cuts between the two scenes. And he uh, we understands learn... human behavior in a way that most sitcoms don't. Yeah, you're right. We should talk about it all the time. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. What were you saying? <laughs> no, it's okay. Mark opens up. We learn how he does what he does. And uh, it's a highly complicated plan of opening up a road atlas. And wherever he points, that's where he goes. And then he says, when I'm finished having fun, I point to another town. Boom. Free. Like my brother, the wind. And Paul's just trying to get to the nuts and bolts of it, which I love. Yeah. Because I know that he does not understand. He's like, so on a weekday, you get up like what? Seven, eight o'clock. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, Mark is living with the freedom. He is experiencing the freedom of living without responsibility. This is a little weird, but I think this might be one of the first places that I, as a child, Came to understand the cultural phenomenon of like sewing your oats. <laughs> oh my, John! <laughs> I think that might be true. That's amazing. I think this might be my earliest memory of uh, this sort of uh, speech. Yeah, you just got to get out there. You gotta. Yeah. You gotta do the things you can only do when you're young. Yeah. You gotta be free and seek adventure and sleep with women. You know, like Richard Kind. Yeah, that <laughs> explains a lot. A lot. 
Well, at the very least, it explains why we're doing the podcast. At the very least. Oh, my God. That's so great. <laughs> oh, that monologue, though, was the point where Christina turns to me and goes, don't they have a kid? Yeah. And we talked about that for a while. We were like, oh, yeah, he walked out on his child. He he abandoned his son. Like, he hasn't seen his son in 10 months. And yeah. he doesn't care. And it, and he doesn't talk about it. He, he's a sociopath. Nobody's talked about it. He's he's like uh, he's Richard Dreyfus in Close Encounters. That oh my gosh, Russ, that's so true. That's such a weird part of that movie. Yeah, they never talk about it. They never talk about it's it. It's like a little okay because like he's going to space for the rest of his life. It's not okay, but I mean, I've heard people who are especially people who are parents who are just like, I mean, that's the most unbelievable part of the movie. No, that makes about so aliens. much sense. Yeah. And there's no way that a father would leave their kids. I wouldn't think so. I would hope, well. Or well, at least the, the protagonist. Yeah. 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 It, Look, everybody knows that all parents stick with their kids all the time. <laughs> all parents are great. <laughs> it, it's just so weird. It's this glaring weird thing in this show that's not unaddressed. Yes. But but the other part is just like, I'm fine with that them not addressing it because I really hate that that's kid. That's what I said to Christina. <laughs> I was like, he's a monster. <laughs> That could, frankly, that could justify Mark leaving. If he was just like, if he didn't even say like, I had to sell my oats, I had to live my life. Yeah. That's all the justification they need. Right. Rather than like, I had to sell my oats. I had to, I had to live my life. If he was just like, I had to get away from that kid. It would be like, yeah, I get it. Yeah. Man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so did we. Yeah. <laughs> you do what you have to do. So Fran and Nick had breakfast. They had a breakfast date that morning. He kissed her. They talk a little bit about the magic of first kisses. Yeah, Danny Jacobson's a very good writer. He is. He's very, very good. And Jamie... Very evocative dialogue for a sitcom, yeah. especially. Yeah. Jamie doesn't remember the magic of first kisses. Yeah. It's been too long for her. Yeah. Two years. Or no, four years. Whatever. Yeah, a while. We cut back to Mark and Paul, and we learned that Mark slept with a 23-year-old in Albuquerque. And with two different Hawaiian girls in Hawaii. That was amazing. Yeah. When Paul asked Just, about, and what about the one in Hawaii? And he goes, Kalipoli or Halakoa? Or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, ah. Uh, him saying yeah. two complicated Hawaiian names back to back. That's your sweet spot, That's baby. my sweet spot. <laughs> and the fact that there were two different women in two different parts of Hawaii. Right. Uh, he got around, man. He, he sure did. So, yeah, then he says after two weeks, he left and everyone was fine with it. Everybody's okay because he's up front. Yeah, I don't know if I buy it. You don't think so? No, I think he's a sociopath that's maybe hurting everyone around him. That could very well be true. Yeah. <laughs> Jamie and Fran talk about boys. That's basically what happens in this little exchange. They're just like, ooh, I love hands. Ooh, I love arms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Jamie doesn't want to live vicariously through Fran by fixing her up with all these guys from school all the time. Yeah, it's too much. Yeah. So she's not going to do that. So from there, we cut to the bedroom, and it's night. And Jamie is lying on the bed with her foot up in the air, and Paul is picking a splinter out I of mean, her foot. I have never seen this on TV. You know, here's the funny thing. I remember this scene from Mad About You very clearly. So I'm like, I think I've seen it. Some blonde woman. Yeah. And uh, a curly-haired Jew. Uh, it's very clear as day. Can't remember any of the other details, but it feels very real to me. It's such an original situation. Yeah, sure. To stage. Absolutely. It's, uh, 
It's very well done. And they uh, they talk a little bit about... <laughs> Paul has this great bit about guilt. And the thing that, that really upsets me, he has no guilt. He feels no guilt, and that really upsets me. Why? Because you need guilt. Without guilt, people would just go and do whatever to make them happy, and I won't have that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that. He's the moral compass of the show. Put that on a shirt. Yeah. Make a bumper sticker out of that. Without guilt, people would just go and do whatever makes them happy, and I won't have that. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, they talk about, again, they talk about what would happen if they left, if the other person left them. Yeah. And how it would never happen. Paul says, if you ever left me, I'd follow you, and me, I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. Which is mostly just what she needs to hear. Paul, at that point, gets the splinter oh, out of her foot successfully. He gives it to her, puts it in her hand. She throws it on the floor, and Paul says, that's where it started, you dopey. That that reminded me of the shoe thing. It was just another thing of, like, what she did makes no sense. And he's just like, yep. what, what? It's very funny. Uh, it's very cute. And, yeah, then they talk about making choices and what they do if they could do anything in the world. I'm serious. If you had the chance to do what Mark did, you wouldn't take it? Well, would I take it? There's a cost, you know? The way I see it is, I got two choices. I could have one, I could have everything in the world, or two, I could have you. So I go with door number two. That's very sweet. Yes, you know why? I'm a very sweet guy. <laughs> Paul chose, chose door number two. Very good. Very sweet. It's it's so, like, it's very interesting. They This whole conversation predicates itself on the idea that, like, that they got somehow forced into this life. Uh, they, you know what I mean? Because they're like, if you could do anything, what would you do? And they, they could do anything. That's an interesting point, Russ. There's nothing stopping them. Yeah, they are actively choosing to continue doing what they true. do That's and to continue being with each other. It's like a voluntary prison. Oh, <laughs> John, my version was sweet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what you're saying, right? Marriage <laughs> is a voluntary prison. <laughs> Make that a bumper sticker. <laughs> oh, my wife would kill me. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, it bothers the both of them that they'll never be able to enjoy a first kiss again. Yes. And Paul thinks that he has a way of rectifying this. See? Neither of us will ever be able to experience a first kiss like that again. Well, so, yeah, well, we have it, we, we can have it with each other. No, we can't. It's not the same. Yeah, I'm saying yes, it is. No. We, excuse me, hi, what, what is your name? Jamie. Jamie. You're very cute, Jamie. Would you like to kiss me? Yeah, when you're right, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> nope, no good. She really cuts the chase there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Jamie. Want to kiss me? <laughs> <laughs> She's all business. Yeah. Oh, man. And that's the end of this episode. This episode ended quickly. There's a tag. There's a beautiful tag. Oh, there, there is a very, a very fun tag, which I don't have a clip for, but they are spinning their way through a globe and putting their fingers down to decide where they're going to go next. Some of the choices. Seattle. Paul says, I could fish. You could sell umbrellas. They say Burma. But Paul 
Ixnay's that saying we'd need to get shots. <laughs> Jamie points somewhere and says, Ooh, and Paul says, No, I got family right near there. And then Jamie, after Paul points, Jamie says, Oh, I've got family near there. Paul says, Israel? That was amazing. Jamie says, yeah. Jamie says, yeah. Paul says, Who? Jamie says, Don't assume. <laughs> and that's how this episode ends. Yeah, I think they'll end. Jamie might be Jewish. Came in. That's true. She may. I think it came in around 21 minutes, which I think is a little bit short. Yeah, I guess you're right. For this show. Yeah, I I like this episode. I love it. I it's so good to have to have Paul to have Paul. So good to have uh Mark back. Richard Kind is a treasure. He really is. I wonder I wonder if my enjoyment was a little bit tampened or tampened. Tampered. It might have been tampered because yeah. because I know that he's not back for the long haul. No, I know it's tough. But yeah, that being said, it's great to see him again. Great to see him. Uh, and rise, guys and rise, gals. It is so great to see you again. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Anything going on with you, John? Not really. Check out Mr. Student Body President on Go90. Great. It's a great show. And uh, the new episodes are still coming out every week. Wonderful. And I'm still in Public Pool, a very fun musical improv team. We perform Tuesday nights at the Magnet, 29th and 8th. Come on down. And yeah, you can find us on Twitter. I'm at Russ Fader, F-E-D-E-R. And I'm at Johnny Marbles, no H. But I'll tell you Say one hello. thing. What's that? You want to get a hold of me on Twitter, you best be tweeting at MadAboutYouPod. It's the best place to get reach both of us. That's where I'm the most we will, active. We will say hi to you. We sure will. We're chatty. We're, we are chatty. And hey, time is now, folks. Hashtag 50 by 50. Get in there. Make your voices heard. Don't let the, don't let the man tell you that you can't tell the man that we are a podcast. That's all they want to do. Yeah. Don't let them. I didn't, yeah. I didn't follow it, but I agree. <laughs> uh, yeah, rate us and review us over on Apple Podcasts. It'll make your day better. We hope this podcast has made your day better. It has a theme song. It goes like this. It is by John D. Ivy. Thank you so much, John. And our logo is by Mr. Nathan Diffie. He is on Twitter at Nathan, D-I-F-F-E-E. Thank you, Nathan. And our sound was mixed by Mr. Vuk Ivanovic. Thank you. Thank you, Vuk. John, we'll talk about Mad About You again very soon. Yeah. <laughs> you don't sound very excited. Uh, yeah, no, I am. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> rise, guys, and rise, gals. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you on Mad About Mad About You very soon. Uh, I'm Russ Fader. I'm John Marvel. And, and this, this is, is what, what we're, we're saying. saying.